My name is Shandy Chernow, and you're listening to the Shandyland Podcast. I have the great honor today of having the president and CEO of Fazoli's with me, Mr. Carl Howard. Carl, thank you so much for being here. I really and truly appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. Yeah. So 2020 was a bit of a weird year, right? And when the pandemic hit, Fazoli's really did an incredible job of leaning into uh, you know, pivoting in the pandemic. You went all in on safety and sanitation, right? You invested a huge amount in PPE and in updating all of your policies and procedures across all of your franchisees. Talk to me about that, about that decision-making process and how you really put guest safety ahead and how it works out so well for you. Yeah, well, I mean, safety and sanitation has always been paramount in our industry. You know, our, our number one um, goal is to make sure that we provide a wholesome meal experience for our guests in a safe and a happy work environment for our employees. And so, you know, we, we were already on top of the basic sanitation and safety protocols already. But when this hit, I decided to go to the opposite and go extreme with the amount of sanitation and protocols that we put in place. And really what I wanted to do was exude sanitation. So the guests, when they came in and see it, they would see it and say, wow, look at everything that these guys are doing. So, you know, we right away masked up all of our employees, put gloves on all of our employees, uh, went out and secured all the masks and gloves that we could get. We put por- portable sanitation stations in all of our restaurants. And then we get, we give each one of our guests a transaction wipe. Uh, we have masks available for our guests if they do not have one or they forget one. And we also have, you know, um, uh, Purell sanitation wipes for our consumers if they just want to grab some when they're in the restaurant just to wash their hands if they want to do it that way if they don't see a sanitation station. And Sterlatech uh, actually um, awarded Fazoli's in 2020 as their uh, restaurant uh, sanitation and safety uh, restaurant brand of the year, which is the highest honor that you can receive in our industry as it relates to safety and sanitation. You know, edging out Chick-fil-A and Chipotle. So it kind of gives you an idea of, you know, some of the brands we were up against. So really proud of that. And we continue to dive into it today. I mean, we actually use technology today to really determine how well we're doing, or at least, you know, at a higher level. So we receive data every morning. Uh, It comes across at 4.59 a.m. I'm not up at that point in time. But when I look at it every morning, we actually have a feedback of everything that's said about Fazoli's as it relates to cleanliness, sanitation, masks, gloves, dirty, clean. And we receive those responses from our consumers, whether it's on Google or Facebook or, or Yelp or the TripAdvisor or whatever it may be. And, you know, it's something that I look at every single day. I mean, I, I, we had one location that missed yesterday. Um, so, and I know about it and I've passed along the information. So, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm letting everyone know that the, that the continued importance and focus on sanitation and safety is, uh, is paramount because it's going to be with us for a while. And so being able to do that, being able to lean into that, which I think is amazing, by the way, and I'm sure makes all of your guests feel super comfortable, particularly at this time, has really led to a, a great revenue story in 2020 for Fazoli's as well. Yeah, I think it's really one of the three or four parts of the, the stool or chair, depending on you know what, what you wanted to define it as. But you, know, you, you have to have 
an unbelievable safety and, uh, and sanitation program in place because the guests today will just not put up with it. If you have your mask below your nose, I, 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 I will know about it because they'll go out on, on the internet and complain yeah. about what, what their experience. So, you know, that that's one piece. And I think we already covered that. But, you know, the other two pieces that, you know, really worked well for us was certainly value and then, you know, the convenience. So, uh, technology plays such a critical role in our industry today. And if you really look at the leaders, they're really technology savvy. And you know, the, you know, the, some of the best brands in the country right now, you, um, <clears throat> you got Domino's, you got Chipotle. And, you know, if you hear them talk, they, they're always talking about their innovation and their, and their technology. And so my goal at Fazoli's is for every known way a consumer can order your product that we provide it. And for every known way that they can receive your product, we also provide that service. And we're pretty much there. We need to work on uh, voice authorization. We're you know, in the process of getting that done right now. But um, you know, technology plays a, a huge role in what's going on today because people do want a touchless experience. And they want to order their food where they are, uh, not where you are. And they want to receive their food where they are or how they would like to receive the food, not how you would like to deliver the food. So you really need to be on top of that. And then finally, it really is value. You've got you got you got to be value conscious during this time period because there is still a large amount of unemployment. Uh, I think you see from the stimulus checks that are going out right now, the impact that we, you know, we're having in our own restaurant. You know, first week of January, we had a record sales week. It's the highest sales week ever recorded in January. So, wow. you, you know, that the stimulus checks really obviously help play a role in that. I mean, we've been on quite the role prior to that but you, you really see it you know the, the the impact that this has had you know on the entire country as it relates to you know the discretionary income and what you know and their ability to go out and spend money uh, on themselves which is exactly the goal right of that so on the technology stuff how do you know i mean you talk a lot about technology and obviously fazolis has really you know leaned in on the technology piece how do you know where the right places to invest in technology are the restaurant industry is so hospitality driven, right? So customer touch driven, that piece of customer service, how do you invest in technology in the right places so as not to lose that, you know, personal touch feel? Yeah. So uh, not the easiest question to answer is, as it relates to, you know, personalization and, you know, and making it about the, the consumer experience, but your mobile app needs to, to be the, a, a, a ordering device that is, is that's very easy to operate. So, you know, it needs to, we've changed our uh, online ordering a mobile app probably five times over the last 18 months just to continue to make upgrades to make it easier for our consumer to, to use our mobile app, redeem coupons, re, re, redeem gift cards. So I think the biggest piece, you know, from a customization standpoint, just get it right. You know, make sure that something that's a deterrent or a frustration when they use your your um, you know technology devices to order your goods and services. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's a lot of restaurant executives who feel a bit of fear around adding technology in places where traditionally there's been a person, you know, a, a person touching their consumer, and I like seeing um, you know a, a lack of fear in a. a excitement about, you know, seeing that technology doing the restaurant good and doing the consumer good. I think that's really, really great. If I can go back to the first question of, about when the pandemic hit, and I know that this is something that you guys do anyway, 
But one of the things that Fazoli's focuses on that I don't know if everybody knows is that you really do a lot of, A, community service in the communities that you serve, but also you help out your employees in a, in any time they're having some financial hardships, which I'm sure you've seen a little bit more of this year than normal. Yeah. So, you know, when the pandemic hit, uh, you know, we've always given back to our communities. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we partner with Feed the Children. We do multiple events every year in cities. We raise money continuously throughout the year. And, you know, we chose Feed the Children as an organization because you're allowed to collect money, work through them. And 100% of the money you collected gets put right back in your marketplace versus going to some corporate office where you hope you received, you, you know, the ability to help your own communities and you feed the children is just absolutely fantastic. But when the pandemic hit, you know, we had food prep for, you know, the next 48 hours, just about every company and every franchise location. I mean, we delivered probably in, in the first 48 hours of the shutdown, maybe 10,000 uh, free meals. And that's probably being highly conservative. I mean, I know one group, group alone, we delivered a thousand free meals to, uh, just because we had the product and I wanted to keep the employees on their hours too while we were trying to figure it out. So, you know, giving back to our community has always been important and, you know, we still do so today. That's amazing. And I love it. And I just wanted to highlight that. Um, and I'm so glad that you're working with Feed the Children. I think it's such a great organization. Um, switching gears a little bit, uh, if you don't mind, one of the things about you personally, if you will, and obviously it has to do with Fazoli's, you've got this amazing reputation for kind of turning brands around, uh, you know, where there's been maybe some room for improvement in terms of revenue or spending or whatever the case may be. What advice would you give, given the success of Fazoli's and what you've been able to do with brands in terms of turnaround, what advice would you give to other restaurant executives who might be not quite as successful right now? Yeah. So thank you for that. And, you know, turnarounds are not easy. So if you Mm -hmm. find yourself in a situation where, you know, your brand is in dire straits and needs to be turned around and and is in disrepair, I mean, really what you need to do as a leader is take a step back and first learn the brand, learn your uh, culture, and then then really understand the consumer, why they use your brand and why they don't use your brand. We do um, aggressive studies on a, a semi-regular basis once or probably twice a year where we're reaching out to our consumers and finding out why they visit the brand today, why they no longer visit the brand, what stimulates more um, uh, visits. So, you know, the consumers are true North Star. So I really focus and I'm really fortunate. I have such a great executive team who, who has built great executive teams. I really spend the majority of my time studying the consumer, studying the industry, and then really looking at our operating model and working on innovation. So what we're going to do next, I mean, we've got four ghost concepts or virtual kitchens, you know, in motion right now. So, you know, so I'm very heavy on the innovation side and my team does everything else. And, you know, um, I allow them that freedom. Yes. Do I check in? Yes. Do I have a final sign off? But, you know, I, I just ha- I'm blessed with this great executive team. But you know, turnarounds are not are not easy, and you know, a lot of times there's a reason that you got put in a certain situation. Nine times out of ten, when you're in this situation, you've missed the mark on delivering what the consumer wants. And nine times out of ten, you do not have the right talent in your your business. And you know, that's the piece that people really struggle with. So they may be great people, but they may not be great for this organization. And or it's in your that response, role, maybe. 
Yeah. So it's your responsibility to really, you know, build the team because you're trying to put And for me, it was through, or for us, we're trying to protect not only the 4,000 employees that have jobs out there when I started, but all the franchisees who invested their life savings in this, mm-hmm. you know, so, you know, a lot of understanding and empathy for what's going on with them, you know, so it's really critical that, you know, you're on top of this because you have a lot of people who are counting on you to get the job done. Yeah, I want to come back to the ghost kitchen thing, but you mentioned the franchisees and the consumer um, behavior, right? What are what are you doing right? What are you doing wrong according to the consumer? So there's a little bit to, to unpack with that answer that you just gave me. So we've got a couple couple different topics on the consumer side. What are the types of things that you see in those studies that that make you pivot? What's the feedback that you're getting um, that maybe you've improved over time? We just rolled an Arquita flatbread. So the, the biggest migration that we were having from the brand or the, the biggest opportunity that we had based upon what the consumer had to say really boiled down to is I'm looking to eat um, less carbs or have a gluten-free experience. So it, it took us a year to really um, master and come up with some great tasting products. So that, you know, that's an example. So one of the questions we always ask consumers today is if you weren't going to go to Fazoli's, where would you go instead? And then another question is if you're not coming to Fazoli's as often, please list one of the reasons why. And it could be I, my last experience was bad. You're too expensive. Food quality, cleanliness. Uh, and then we've been asking the question for you know the last several years as it relates to um, gluten-free and, uh, and carbs because we're a heavy carb uh, company and the people prior to the pandemic were uh, dramatically changing the way they eat. You know, I mean, who, who knew of oat milk, you know, three years ago, I'm sure some people did, but. Well, you know, you're talking to the food allergy community over here. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I mean. Oat milk is our friend. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. So, I mean, it, 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 it's real life factual. I mean, people are changing the way they're looking at food and you have to adapt. And we, we really use those studies to understand what the consumer wants and, and what it is that our brand is doing that is maybe not making their experience as pleasurable as it could be. And then that's my job to put the strategies together. So gluten-free, pandemic, people are changing the way that they're eating and that was one of the big pieces of feedback that you were getting. Do you hear anything on the, besides the gluten-free piece, do you hear stuff about food allergies outside of that? Yeah, so it's it's not our largest, um, you know, consumer issue. It really was the fact that if I want to use your brand and I have gluten allergies, mm-hmm. uh, then, you know, you need to provide us a product and something so we can visit your location. I, I, I don't know if I, you, I can go lock these guys up in my three seasons room if you want. Um, so no it's okay I mean it's totally up to you Uh, yeah well um, it'd probably take me 30 seconds to put them in the three seasons room I'm gonna do that just so it's it's professional both come here you guys come on okay yeah Um, all the things continue to work great okay fantastic so um, I'll let you lead me lead it from here yeah sure so Um, The second piece of the answer that you had given me um, around uh, was around the franchisees. So you really seem to keep a very tight control of the quality of what's happening in all of the locations. 
how is that different when you've got a franchise versus a, a corporate owned location? Um, Fazoli's has gone pretty aggressive on the on the franchising. So I'd like to kind of hear your thoughts around the decision making between the two and how you make sure that those franchise owners are staying true to your vision for, for Fazoli's and, and ensuring that their customer experiences are what you want. Yeah, so first you need to get the trust from your franchisees. So they need to believe in what you're doing so they run and follow the game plan. The second thing, and maybe it's the first thing, is you need to have the right franchisee. You have to have one that has the same core beliefs that you and your organization do. And so when we board a new franchise group, you know, we're very clear with them, you know, what our culture is in our organization, you know, how important it is for respect for our employees making sure our vendors get paid on time and the fact that we don't offer deviations to our menu. So you, you, you need to run the game plan. And I tell everybody, if you run the game plan, you'll be successful. If you run the game plan, you're not successful. Please, you can call me directly and we'll work on a plan to, to see what's going on. So, yeah, I, I think that has a, a big piece to do with it. So how do I know that we're operating on the franchise community as well as we should. Well, again, back to technology. Every morning I get all the one and two star complaints, three star complaints, um, and then four and five star positive uh, reviews. And so, you know, we, we get exposed every day just through technology, what's going on on the company side and the franchise side of the business. So, you know, that's one way to do it. We have franchise business consultants. We provide more service to our franchisees really than any other franchise or especially, you know, one of our size, we're not huge, but we, you know, we have over 200 restaurants mm -hmm. and, you know, we're definitely, um, you know, providing them service and, and making sure that we're staying in touch with them from building their marketing plans to, to making sure that, you know, that their the operations are the way they should be or any opportunities that we can find to help them drive more profit. So you know, that's really the role of our FBCs when they go into the locations or they, they collaborate with our franchisees. And we have a great, relationship with our franchisees i mean every year the franchise business review comes out reports the best brands in the country to franchise we've been in the top 10. i um, i've seen a peek behind the curtain uh, for the last year and we did really well it's not going to be released yet but you know every key attribute was up so you know uh, we i'll be shocked if we're not in the top five or higher as one of the top franchise brands in the country and then you're kind of doubling down on the franchising right now uh, in, in this environment. Uh, talk to me about the current offers for that. Yeah. So, I mean, franchising for us, I mean, that's part of the turnaround story. We had a larger footprint of company restaurants that we decided to uh, sell to other franchisees and really focus on being great operators of our own uh, core business. We're currently the second largest franchisee. We still operate 56 locations. But we have put together a very aggressive franchise program. And, you know, this is a brand that is not desperate, to, um, but the, the offer is so aggressive that some people question, you know, why would you offer such an aggressive offer while you're doing so well? You know, why do you feel like you have to? That seems like you should be going the other direction and asking for more. So right now we have a zero franchise fee. Uh, to, to join the group, zero royalty fee in year one, 3% royalty fee in, in year three. Our goal is to have a two-year return on investment. And we're doing a conversion program because there's a lot of shells out there. 
So um, there's a lot of restaurants that unfortunately did not make it through the pandemic. There's a lot of QSR shelves with drive-throughs that we can go in and occupy that are in great areas. We are closing in on a company location right now in Zanesville, Ohio, that was a former Popeye's. And I'm excited about it. I mean, every day I'm reaching out saying, you know, where are we at at getting the lease completed? And so the brand's definitely get, getting a lot of interest. Our franchisees help sell um, or um, convert uh, potential franchisees to our brand because of the, the job that we've done. And you, you can't fault what we're doing from a sales standpoint. We've set every known record that you can. We've averaged double digit sales and traffic for the last seven months. And you know this brand just right for the times. I think that's amazing. And I think what you're doing, you know, in terms of offering um, the ability to to become a franchisee of, of Fazoli's is really, really cool. And particularly right now, to your point, there's a ton of restaurants that have closed down in every area of the country. Um, and, and to be able to keep that, you know, economic balance going is a, is a good thing. Going back to kind of the turnaround piece, what would you, this is my way of asking about kind of mistakes that you could correct, but Going, going back to the beginning, what would you do differently? What lessons have you learned you know, over time that you could go back, hindsight being 2020, and um, change how it is that maybe you've approached a particular problem? Yeah, so um, again, not the easiest question to answer because the initial the feedback would be a lot. I've been with the brand for 12 years. I mean, over yeah. 20% of my life, I've been with this one organization. So yeah, I've made some mistakes going through it. I mean, you know, my biggest uh, issue is I move too fast sometimes. So, you know, I, I see something, I gravitate to it, I move to it and, and, you know, we get it moving and then it doesn't turn out to be, you know, quite as successful as we want. Now we've been able to take a step back and learn from some of that. And my team is good about harnessing me because I'm in a hurry. Uh, I've always been in a hurry. So um, you know, when we see an opportunity, I want to get it corrected. So I, I love the answer on, on, you know, things that you would turn around. I'm exactly the same way or things that you would, you would do a little bit differently. I'm exactly the same way on kind of rushing into things a bit, getting super excited about a particular initiative or whatever. Right. And then, and jumping all in on it. And my team has to be like, dude, slow your roll a little bit. We, you know, we should think about that. But I think that's great. When, when you find yourself in a position where you're not quite sure what to do, who is it that you ask for help? Yeah, so um, I really lean on the entire organization. So yesterday, you know, we had a discussion. I'm sorry, Monday, we had a discussion as a group about something that we were working on. And I mean, I went around the room and sometimes it's not a democracy. Sometimes, you know, I'll say, hey, this is the direction we're going to go. But that's very rare. And we have a no false agreement culture that's in our office. So if you don't agree with the leadership or the direction that we're heading, you need to speak up or you're not really a, a valuable member of our team because we hired you for your intellectual property and your, your thoughts and we want you to play a role. So it was an interesting discussion. I mean, we had two people on the finance side that were on one, one thing, branding and uh, operations were on another side. And, you know, it, it was a great discussion at the end of the day, you know, we ended up in an area that we could all agree on. So it doesn't always go that smoothly, but, you know, really, you know, our senior team is so strong uh, that you know, we, that's who I lean on. Uh, so, you know, do I have a toolbox of people that I call when things aren't going well? I do. So there, there's a, 
a, a small list of people that I speak to if I'm just um, at a loss of uh, you know what I'm doing or if I feel like I'm not doing something correctly. There's three people that I would reach out to, maybe four, and you know, one of them being my father-in-law, who was a great restaurateur himself. Love it. So I know we're heading towards the end of our time, but you have a particularly interesting pastime or passion. You own racehorses. How on earth did you get into doing that? And where did that come from? And tell me all the things. I literally know nothing about racing horses. I'm allergic to them. So I, I, I can't be close by. Sure. So um, as a young child, I would spend a lot of weekends at um, the Haverstrows, spending the night on Friday and Saturday night. And uh, Timmy, Tommy, and and and, and Big Tom uh, would always go to the track. So I would be just brought along. And you know, I still thank them today because you know they were the people that were giving me nutrition on the weekend. I, I there was a period of time in my life where you know we were really struggling, and my mom was in the hospital. My dad was working two jobs. And, um, you know, I was a pretty skinny kid. I graduated high school at 118 pounds. So. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they they were great. And so I spent every weekend over there, um, not only for the environment standpoint, but but so I could eat, but they took me to the track so that three of us ended up going and then they branched out with other friends and I branched out with other friends, but we all stayed together as a group. So before you know it, we've got 10 to 12 guys that are going to the, to the races to to watch the races and it's fun. And, and, you know, really my wife is the one who really oversees all the operations you know, of the, of the horse racing business. We, you know, have a professional accountant who does the books. We have the the best trainer in the country that that oversees our horses. So there's not really a lot that I need to do, uh, except, you know, to sign off on major financial decisions. I mean, my main priorities are obviously running for Solis. Of course, but I mean, you got to have something that you love outside of the, of the day to day. And I think that's really, really cool. All right. So yeah, it's my form of golf. Yeah. It's my form of golf. Yeah, for sure. Um, so as you may know, I like to wrap all of these episodes up with uh, two truths and a lie. So for our listeners, uh, Carl's going to give us three facts, if you will. One of them will be less factual. Uh, we're not going to tell you which one isn't true. And if you would like to know, you'll have to reach out to us on your favorite podcast platform or on social media. So Carl, take it away. What are your two truths and a lie? Well, I'm a devout animal lover. I love the ocean and I love to snowboard and ski. I like it. Three very, very plausible things. So let us know how we can connect with you online so our listeners can find their nearest Fazoli's and, you know, potentially for Feed the Children as well, if you'd like to include that. Yes. So www.fazoli's.com and you can find all the information out that you want on the brand. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here. I truly appreciate the time. This has been an incredible pleasure to be able to speak with you. And listeners, thank you for being here. As always, thank you for listening. And please give us a follow or a subscribe on any of the podcast platforms and on your favorite social media at Shandyland. Talk to you soon.